Hello, witches and wanderers. My name is Missa. And my name is Katie, and welcome to the Baby Witch Podcast. Hi, Katie. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. How are you, Missa? I'm hanging in there. Um, We're recording this in the belly of the quarantine beast. And uh, so I think right now everyone's just kind of doing as well as they can be. Yes, indeed. Um, I think I heard that California, the shelter and home order is just, and it's going to go until the governor says it stops. There's no direct end date here in Colorado. We're about a week away from the end date that our governor um, has right now. So it'll be interesting. I think in the next week, he's either going to extend it further or, you know, things are going to start opening back up in about a week's time. So we'll see what happens. Um, I've had a pretty eventful month. I realize it has been about a month since we recorded last. Um, I have been in quarantine since April 1st. Um, My roommate works in healthcare and uh, her facility saw their first case of COVID-19 um one Saturday and then like that next Wednesday she started showing COVID-19 symptoms and uh, she went and got tested in the meantime we were in quarantine waiting for her test results um she got the test results back they were positive and then that same day I got sick myself um so yeah I've been in quarantine for three weeks now (laughs) um And I'm super excited because I am healthy and better, um, which is, you know, spoiler alert, I'm okay. I, it was pretty, it it knocked me on my butt. Definitely. It gave me really bad fevers and fatigue. I was affectionately calling it the dumb bitch disease because it just, I was so fatigued. Like I, it's like I lost 20 IQ points. I had no cognitive ability. I, um, you know, I just couldn't think at all for like a week. And uh, then I got better and I've been healing all this week. And as of now, I am about uh, 70 hours uh, symptom free, which is good because I have to be 72 hours symptom free to go out in public again and break my quarantine. And yeah, so I'm really stoked. I'm literally hours away from being able to leave the house again, which is great. Yay, that's exciting. Yes, it is. Um, Yeah. But yeah, that's what I've been up to is just being under delirium and uh, (laughs) not leaving my house. So yeah. MIA there for about a week, but I'm super glad that you're feeling better and that it was a really mild case. Yes, all things considered. I mean, I think um, my roommate had a much milder case. She wasn't... uh, she didn't have as bad of symptoms as me, but I think, I mean, that's kind of to be expected for our age group. I know that there are people in our age group who are being put on ventilators and that seems to be more or less random. Do keep an eye on yourself? Don't, you know, don't assume that you're going to be fine, but just because you have a little bit of shortness of breath, which is a symptom that everybody's getting. This is what a doctor told me when I went to see them. Everybody's having a little bit of shortness of breath. 
It's when you have such bad shortness of breath that you can't cross a room without stopping and resting. That's a sign of pneumonia. And that's when you need to seek additional medical help. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing, the whole reason for this quarantine and everything um, is that it's a manageable disease. We just Mm -hmm. needed to make sure that we didn't overwhelm hospitals um, because when that happened, it's less likely that you survive that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. You know, there's only two people in the entire city that have it. Pretty easy to treat those people. Um, Mm -hmm. When there's 2000, you know, you're, you're stretching yourselves a bit thin. So that was really the reason Mm -hmm. for the whole quarantine. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah. Is to, to not overwhelm our healthcare workers. Exactly. And yeah, that I think um, my doctor was trying to give me a more or I guess give everybody more detailed descriptions of when you do need to seek medical care, because there are people who are just having slight shortness of breath who are going into emergency rooms, and those are getting overwhelmed when they don't yeah. necessarily need medical intervention yet. So that's, that's why I'm putting it out there. And yes, it is a manageable disease, but it's not going to be manageable for everyone. And we don't want this to become something where people are dying just because there's not enough ventilators so yes so if your governor says stay home please stay home you know mm-hmm. for the rest of us okay yes and it so yes oh and i was gonna say and if your state starts seeing a dip in cases especially around now that's because it's working don't assume that things can open up again i saw a graph of uh Denver's Spanish flu cases from a hundred years ago. And it's interesting because there's like this big sharp increase. And then you can see the point where they put in preventative measures and then it goes down a significant bit. And then you can see the point where they're like, Oh, this is okay. We can reopen everything. And then it shoots up in case numbers are higher than they were in the first place. So don't, don't reopen things just because things are okay. Now they're not going to stay okay. If everything reopens all of a sudden. Yeah, the best analogy I saw was hardly anyone dies uh, in car crashes anymore. So why do we need to keep wearing our seatbelts? Mm-hmm. All yep. right. So we're going to move off from, you know, the depressing topic that everyone's talking about all the time. And we're going to talk mm-hmm. about something a little bit fun and edgy today. I feel so lame saying fun and edgy, but just depends on where you live. If you're in Colorado or California, maybe not so much, but there may be some of you lovely Midwesterners out there that, you know, don't know mm-hmm. anything about the next subject. Yes. And because we are releasing this on 420, we are going to be talking about substances and how they can enhance your magical practice. Right, well, we saw that the episode was going to be coming out on 420. And we just thought, you know, if there's ever a time to talk about it, now's the time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So we do want to give a quick um, note at the beginning. Um, Again, where Katie and I live, it is recreational marijuana use is legal. Mm -hmm. Um, There are a lot of states where it's legal now or decriminalized. Um, So if you are working with this, we're not encouraging you to break the law. Mm -hmm. You know, and then also um, remember to to moderate your substance use of any Mm -hmm. type. I'm saying this as I'm drinking a mimosa at 1.30 in the afternoon, but... No, times are different right now. (laughs) Yeah. And also just, you know, healthy substance use is always good. If you think you have a problem, seek help. Um, And just, you know, keep an eye on yourself or ask for help if you think you need help. Yeah. And then um, also 
anything that we're going to be talking about today, we're not encouraging that you use it. And if you do decide to use any of the following things, please research them ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Um, Because a lot of these types of things can be poisonous, can be Mm -hmm. um, abortificants, can, you know, decrease the effectiveness of other medication that you're taking. So it's really important Mm -hmm. to thoroughly look into these things um, Mm -hmm. before you get started. Yeah. And I mean, this is kind of, this is almost a mini herbalism course, um, just because we haven't really talked about herbalism a bit. And it is something that I have done more research in last year, I grew a bunch of my own herbs. And there were some things like parsley that I grew because, you know, I buy parsley at the grocery store. And then I, you know, it just rots in my fridge. So I was going to grow it. Um, Growing it, I I didn't end up needing it as much as I thought I would. So I ended up drying a bunch of it and looking and figuring out how it could be used herbally. Um, And yeah, that's a good example of how you want to have a reference book. I have an herbalism reference book. It's called the Encyclopedia of Herbal Medicine. Um, I would, I mean, there's a ton of these you can get. I recommend having some sort of reference or guidebook on hand so you can look at it. And one of the things I saw is that, you know, parsley can cause, is an abortificant. It can cause issues with pregnancies if you take it as a tea or whatever. Um, So yeah, it's just have some sort of guidebook, have some sort of reference. um, Because like this book will tell you, you know, this is the part of the plant that you can use herbally Um, This is how you use it. These are the effects. And also here's a warning at the end saying, you know, you're, it it either won't have a warning and you can take as much of it as you want, or there will be a big warning at the end saying, this is poisonous. You will die. Only take this if (laughs) you have a professional telling you how to use it. So, yeah. Yeah. That's what's really important. Um, So we just wanted to, you know, tell you that right at the beginning. So now now we've told you. Yes. And yeah, I just recommend if you want to get more into herbalism, find a, uh, find a good reference book. I know I have a few reference books on my wish list. I just have the current one because I have too many books right now and I'm trying to keep myself from buying a ton of books, but I just have the one reference book right now. Um, and for, if you want my recommendation, I think it's actually a pretty good book. It seems to have some good scientific um, background, but it is the Encyclopedia of Herbal Medicine by Andrew Chevalier. So, yeah. All right. So, since it is 420, um, mm-hmm. we're going to go ahead and just kick it off by talking about pot, marijuana. Yeah. Yeah. Our good so, old friend cannabis. Yes. <laughs> the devil's lettuce. Um, <laughs> so, I. I don't know. We live in states where weed is legal. I have a family member who works as a R&D specialist for a medical marijuana company. So I get a ton of like, I just have a, I get a ton of uh, scientific medical knowledge from them about marijuana. So I don't know. I, in my mind, weed is pretty straightforward. I don't really see anything dangerous or wrong with it. Um, but the first thing I think about when I think of weed and magic in all honesty is the fat feminist switch because she's a big, yes, she's a big proponent of using marijuana with your magic. She's done, I think a couple episodes about a can of witch or 
um, yeah, or being yeah. a can of witch. So if you want really detailed explanations of this, because we're just going to talk about this and move on, sh- I would go seek out those episodes that she's created because she is a big proponent of it. And she's done, I think, one or two full length episodes just about cannabis and witchcraft. Yes. Um, and then again, I was looking at the Fat Feminist Witches website and she referred to marijuana as the herbal quartz crystal. Um, so kind of the catch-all herb, something you can use for a lot of different um, practices in your craft. So um, <clears throat> some witches like to use it for meditation or divination because um, it kind of gets you to that transcendental state um, or, you know, helps you thin the veil, acti- activate, activate, access, um, like the collective unconscious type of a thing. So that's why just the... the way in which it elevates your mood um, can be used in a lot of different practices. Yeah. And I use it occasionally. Usually what ends up happening because I don't smoke is I take an edible and then I start doing something and then I realize like, oh, this is why this is happening because I took an edible two hours ago. Um, (laughs) But... For me, it, it just, yeah, it just thins the veil a little bit more. You know, sometimes, especially if you're tired or just not in the mood, it can be really hard to get into the right meditative or spiritual place to work with that energy. And to me, um, marijuana just thins that threshold a little bit and makes it a little bit easier to slip into that spell working space. Yeah, definitely. That, that trance-like state, I think, would be a lot more achievable um, on marijuana. Um, the other thing about it uh, that I wanted to mention, and I am not an expert on this subject, but there are different like strains and things. Um, mm-hmm. I know like the two basic ones, there's cannabis, no cannabis. Oh, come on. I'm, I'm sativa and indica. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and the only reason that I know, so they say like sativa is the more active one and indica is the more like relaxed one. Um, mm-hmm. there was like, a CNN thing about Denver, like when Colorado legalized it and one of the reporter they sent there, she's like, yeah, Indica's the more mellow one. Indica, like into couch. And so <laughs> CNN is the reason I know the difference between the strains. Ah, <laughs> uh, Colorado. <laughs> um, but there's also like within those strains, there's different, all kinds of different things that like, mm-hmm. this one's good to relieve pain. This one's good to relieve stress. Um, mm-hmm. Like, so that kind of thing. So, I mean, you can really get into it and yeah. to determine what's right for whatever practice you're using it for. Yeah. And there's even strains where they're like, you know, a 75% indica with a 25% sativa, that kind of thing. The other thing you want to keep in mind with your strains is what percentage of CBD is in your strain. Cause there are some strains that have low CBD. So it's just all a uh, head high. Um, but CBD is the component that actually, you know, it's a pain reliever, it reduces anxiety, all that stuff. And there are some strains that have higher, um, like have a higher CBD percentage. So if you want more of the mellow, less, you know, getting you high, more helping you feel better strain, you might want to also check out the CBD percentage of your of the strain of weed you're getting. Yeah, we talked about CBD um, in our self-care episode as well. So um, that's, mm-hmm. again, the, the stress relief, physical relief um, part of, of marijuana. Um, mm-hmm. And then it's just as far as, 
I wanted to briefly mention, I discussed divination. I've actually heard it both ways. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, some witches who prefer to, um, you know, get high, whatever, um, before doing like a tarot reading or, or another type of divination, um, because it does help them get to that transcendental stage and, and maybe, you know, connect with the spirits. Whereas I've heard other witches say, absolutely not, don't take any kind of mind altering substance um, mm. before divination. And then again, depending on what practice you're using it for, um, I've, I've, you know, I've even seen it, you can use it within a ritual as part of the ritual, especially um, like an initiation ritual. Mm -hmm. um, and so one of the things that I was looking at was the different ways to, to ingest it. So again, Katie, um, you talked about like edibles, um, you could use it in like a cakes and wine type thing, um, mm -hmm. or they sell some like beautiful, the like, crystal pipes that like, look like, like an amethyst crystal, but it, it's, you can smoke pot out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I also read about like using moon water in a bomb, which I thought was really inventive. So there's all different ways that you can actually ritualize ingesting it itself. Yeah. And I'm going to go on a tangent real quick because I can, <laughs> I don't ever have an excuse to talk about this stuff. So I'm going to talk about it here. Um, so I took an ethnobotany course in college. If you don't know what ethnobotany is, it's an anthropological study of the relationship between humans and plants. There's also a scientific component to it where um, botanists and anthropologists will team up and go to and into a culture and, you know, look up plants that might not be well known to Western culture and figure out how they're used. And that's how some chemical components that are used now in Western medicine were originally found. Anyway, um, but... <laughs> we got started, y'all. Yeah, I know. But my specialty was in archaeology, so I was way more interested in how the ancients were using plants. And marijuana has been used spiritually going back to ancient Mesopotamia and ancient Egypt. There were pot leaves, you know, as ornamental jewelry on high status in high status burials there were frescoes on religious sites marijuana has been used spiritually for millennia yeah um and i think that's really important to remember too just in a this isn't necessarily something that's trendy right now um this is a dates back you know, if you want to connect to your ancestors, this could be a good herb for you to use um, mm -hmm. in ancestral work as well. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And yeah, it's, it's a good plant. I think it is, well, historically, there's evidence that Richard Nixon only criminalized weed to put black people in jail. So there's oh, yeah, that. that's, that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we just shouldn't be illegal. That's kind of the end of that so yeah yeah I think I think we're both uh I think we both agree on on that one um yes. all right so let's talk about something that is way more legal and sometimes way more dangerous um alcohol oh, well. <laughs> um so it is no secret that I like to imbibe mm -hmm. um and I have added alcohol to my practice not like that's not my practice my practice isn't all alcohol um mm -hmm. 
but my rituals most often include at least like a glass of wine. Um, and that can be sometimes that glass of wine is, um, an offering to a deity or to an ancestor. Sometimes that glass of wine is for the cakes and wine or cakes and ale part of the, Mm -hmm. the ceremony. Um, sometimes it's with a ritualized meal. So there's Mm -hmm. all different kinds of ways to incorporate alcohol into your practice as well. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like alcohol is a really commonly used substance within witchcraft. Um, for example, there's the cakes and ale thing, which if you're unaware of it, it's a traditional grounding practice after a Wiccan ceremony. Um, after the circle is closed in anything, you ground by sharing cakes and ale, um, which yeah. the ale is, of course, beer. So that's a you know really standard part of witchcraft. Um, I know one of my first things that one of my first practices was establishing my full moon ritual. And I mean, I now I use tea or I'll make like something special or like a seltzer or something um, just because I don't drink as much. And, but sometimes I do still use wine anyway, but my first time I ever did that, it was my chalice was full of wine and I just went out and moon gazed and I toasted the moon um, thanking her for everything that I have in my life at that moment. And, you know, it, it can be pretty magical. And it's also, I also feel like it goes back to the point of, um, marijuana that I made where it just thins the threshold a little bit it thins the threshold so you're less caught up in you know your tired stressed out body and it lowers the threshold for spiritual work yeah uh, but I mean I'm usually drinking a glass of wine during these podcast episodes um and again I say I want to do some kind of ancestral work um, you know, if I want to work with my maternal grandmother, I'll might make a martini. Um, mm-hmm. and I might make that to share with her, to offer to her something like that. Um, so, and, and marijuana can be used for that alcohol, um, really anything, but that's, if you want to work with alcohol, but you don't drink, um, that's definitely an option. But also if you, you know, are no longer drinking, which we, a lot of people are, are at that stage, um, you know, getting healthy and, and taking care of themselves. Um, it's nothing that we're talking about today is mandatory to use in witchcraft. So mm-hmm. lots of covens do, you know, they do cakes and ale, um, with grape juice, um, or, you know, apples, non-alcoholic apple cider, things like that. So, mm-hmm. um, or like Katie, you were saying with tea. So definitely we're not pushing any of these things on you as well. I just want to be careful of that, especially in quarantine when, you know, people don't have access to regular meetings and things. Um, None of these things are necessary to be a witch. Really nothing's necessary to be a witch except for an open heart. Exactly. There's my soapbox. (laughs) Okay. No worries. Well, but it's also necessary because like, yeah, you don't have to do any of these things. And yeah, there's sometimes the pressure to drink, even though you may be trying to cut down that kind of thing. But none of this is necessary. Um, That being said, you know, certain substances can be used in other ways, which is going to lead me off on a tangent because I've talked (laughs) about this book, DIY Magic Before by Anthony Alvarado. And he has a section about... Um, substances called potions, libations, and herbs that kind of looks at regular substances that you might just have around and gives you alternative ways to maybe use them spiritually. So for example, um, like 
whiskeys on there and it's in there is writing whiskey. So you, it isn't like literally whiskey. It's just whatever alcohol you want, but it's, you drink and then you write and that kind of loosens the writing spigot and it helps you. Um, another example is coffee specifically he says too much coffee like you drink so much coffee that you're buzzing and you see what it does or what thresholds it opens for you so if you pick up that book that might be a good way to look at some substances because it has really simple things like chia seeds um yerba mate abstinence poetry it has (laughs) just like really simple things that maybe if you don't want to do the writing whiskey but instead you know the chia seeds are within your wheelhouse you might do that instead so yeah there's just a lot of options out there um we're just again because today is the time to get high we thought we'd talk about some some mind-altering mood-altering uh substances Mm -hmm. um did you have anything Mm -hmm. else you want to talk about about our our dear friend alcohol. Um, Yeah, going back to the ethnobotany thing, alcohol, I mean, wine has been used spiritually for millennia as well. Um, There's actually some evidence that the Greek word for wine, oinos, is connected to um, the, is connected to psychedelic mushrooms. And that sounds weird, but let me explain the story. So, (laughs) um, the Greece was invaded by people from Central Asia. And in Central Asia, they used a magic mushroom drink uh, for spiritual purposes. And so they came to Greece expecting to have some other sort of spiritual drink. And there weren't the same mushrooms, but they did find wine. And so they transferred their name for their spiritual mushroom tea to wine, which was oinos. So yes, the word for wine and the naming of wine is connected to a spiritual drink. Yeah. Well, there you have it. I guess uh, wine really is the gift of the gods. Yes. (laughs) Well, I mean, there is like an entire God dedicated to wine, Dionysus. So yeah, I know he's one of my faves. Yay. (laughs) Is he your buddy? Yes. Yes. Yeah. He's in my pantheon for sure. Yay. That's good. Well, um, so yeah, so you talked about magic mushrooms a little bit. Um, I know we don't want to go into it too much, um, mm-hmm. but there are some spiritual uses for psychedelic substances as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm going to harp on ethnobotany one last time. There's evidence that the ancients were using psychedelics to, you know, see gods and goddesses or speak to the gods um going back to mesopotamia and egypt there's lots of frescoes depicting these specific plants that were used to put you in that psychedelic state and they were used spiritually um i'm not going to give the names of those specific plants because some of them are really readily abundant in our culture like they grow as weeds and stuff but taking too much of them or taking them incorrectly can cause you to die Um, Because they, you know, they get, they have a psychedelic effect because they're poisonous. So you need to take just the right amount or you will die. The same goes with um, Amanita muscaria, the most common um, psychedelic mushroom that was found in Europe and used, uh, and used psychedelically or spiritually in Europe. So yeah, psychedelics are great. Make sure you know what you're doing. Otherwise you can kill yourself. Um, 
but there's also things like LSD. LSD doesn't, I've never taken it, but because it's a synthesized compound, there's not that same danger. Um, but yeah. yeah. Um, but again, just with, with psychedelics, like we talked about a little bit with marijuana is it can get you to that kind of transcendent, transcendent state, um, which mm-hmm. again, Katie, like you were saying, can be a really spiritual experience, can help you connect to deities, mm-hmm. um, connect to, um, uh, maybe the ancestors. And then, um, mm-hmm. I would suggest, you know, if that is maybe already in your practice, you already use them safely. Um, it you can interpret your, and I, I have never done psychedelic drugs. I'm not cool, <laughs> but mm-hmm. you could interpret the, the experience like you would interpret a dream, you know, interpreting the experience would be, um, could be a really powerful practice to help you expand your craft. Yeah. And there is a long tradition of using psychedelics to almost go into a trance state and go on these spiritual journeys. So there is that aspect to it as well. I would suggest that you do that with a trained, um, with someone who has expertise in it. Um, yeah. The same way, like recreationally, if you were using magic mushrooms or something, you would have a babysitter. Um, but I would, yeah, just make sure that you aren't doing it by yourself. And because the thing, so the thing I've heard about mushrooms. Um, is that it can be the best high you've ever had, or it could be the worst high you've ever had. Um, so it could be like the absolute most beautiful, wonderful spiritual experience, or it could be an absolute nightmare scape for you. Um, and I've always heard that it really just depends on your relationship with yourself. Like if you're happy with yourself, then you'll have a good trip. If you are not okay with yourself, then you will have a bad trip and you don't necessarily want that. So make sure yeah. you know what you're doing. Um, now, mushrooms are decriminalized in Colorado, yes? Yes. So yeah. I have, I haven't done like a full mushroom trip. I have taken enough to just microdose and have a body high, um, mm. which was kind of cool. I did it while I was up backpacking after, you know, kind of a crazy day of trying to climb a mountain and stuff like that. But it was, it was cool. Like I saw we were sitting by the fire and I kept seeing like sparks and flickers and stuff. And it was interesting and it was definitely pretty joyful. I got giggly, but I, I mean, it was almost a little bit like smoking weed or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I've never done them. They're decriminalized in some parts of California. Um, and I, I've been trying to remember who it is. I was at a party and I was drinking. Um, I think that much is obvious. And I saw someone take a little bag out of their pocket and grab some dried mushrooms out and put them in their mouth. And I was like, that's an interesting snack. <laughs> and he looked at me and he's like, it's drugs. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, well, I am so naive. Um, I, I don't know. I popular, but I could, you know, then they, that was years ago. Then they started being decriminalized everywhere. So, um, you know, they're mm-hmm. definitely more popular now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. You kind of can just grow them. So it's not, yes. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I um, actually know somebody who grows mushrooms. So I'm thinking it was probably him, but mm-hmm. you know, drinking, I don't remember these things, but yeah, I mean, there's also evidence that psychedelics can help with PTSD and depression. I know the one time I microdosed on shrooms, it 
I was during a period where my depression was still pretty bad. And it was like all of a sudden for three or four weeks after that, I had no depression for one of the first times in my life. And it was pretty cool. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I would definitely, I mean, there are therapists and experts who provide a service of helping you um, through depression and PTSD with MDMA or with shrooms now or LSD even, I think. Um, but yeah, I would definitely seek expertise in that field before just going out and thinking I'll take shrooms and it'll be fine. Because like I said before, you can have a really bad trip if you don't know what you're fucking doing. Yeah. Um, so that was where kind of the most common um, substances that you maybe would have heard of. Uh, so we wanted to go through those. Um, and then now we want to talk about some more witchy, uh, you know, herbs, things to do, um, you know, that's not necessarily as popular outside of witchcraft. Yeah. Well, and to start, we want to talk about probably the most common mind-altering plant that you're going to hear of. It's referenced in a lot of books, and that is mugwort. Um, and a lot of people recommend it because it thins the veil or it allows you to connect spiritually or with ancestors or with your guides. Um, there's a lot of lore about this and about its psychedelic properties, and that's because it is relative to wormwood, which via absinthe is renowned for making you, you know, see little green fairies. Yes. Although I have drunk absinthe and I saw no fairies. So rude. Yeah, I I think that might be more of a, oh, you'll see fairies thing and, <laughs> you know. Um, so I actually have a lot of experience with mugwort. I grew it last year and I have a gigantic jar of the leaves. Um, in my experience, it doesn't, I mean, I've used it. I have a er, um, herb bundle and I've burnt that and that seems to have been pretty effective in some spiritual work I was doing. I haven't done it in over a year though. Um, but when I just drink mugwort as an herb and tea, it just makes me really sleepy. Like sometimes I just take it because I'm having trouble sleeping. Um, and then my dreams, I have weird trippy dreams anyway. So it, it doesn't like it makes my dreams even more trippier. Um, but yeah, I mean... That's just my experience with it. If you have a different experience with it, um, that's fine. I just wanted to make, you know, I use it. I've grown it. It's super easy to grow. It grows like a weed out in Europe and in other parts of the United States. So if you ever want to grow it, you need to trim the hell out of it because otherwise <laughs> it's going to take over wherever you're growing it. But it is super easy to grow. Yeah. Um, and so just generally mugwort, you know, like Katie was saying, um, it's, it's used to amplify like your psychic vision, you know, you said thin the veil. So if you wanted to do something, um, you know, we were talking earlier about thinning the veil to connect to a, a more transcendent, transcendent state, mugwort is definitely not going to alter your, your mindset, like alcohol, marijuana, psychedelics are. Um, so if you mm -hmm. do want something to use to kind of get to that, uh, meditative or, or trance like state, mugwort might be a really good option for you. Yeah. And then it also has some medical uses. So I'm going to read out those verbatim from my book, uh, Encyclopedia, of Her Encyclopedia of Herbal Medicine. A digestive and tonic herb, mugwort has a wide variety of traditional uses. 
Milder in action than most other Artemisia species, it can be taken over the long term at a low dose to improve appetite, digestive function, and absorption of nutrients. In addition, it can be taken to encourage elimination of worms. Mugwort also increases bile flow and mildly induces the onset of menstruation. The European conception of mugwort as a uterine stimulant is con contradicted by Chinese usage in which it is prescribed to prevent miscarriage and to reduce or stop menstrual bleeding. Mugwort is also antiseptic and has been used in the treatment of malaria. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely has lots of uses. It's a very popular mm -hmm. witchy plant. Um, mm -hmm. And again, you know, it, it can get you to that, that meditative state. It is does have psychoactive effect, um, but it's not necessarily going mm -hmm. to be a, a hallucinogen like, mm -hmm. you know, psychedelic drugs. Yes, exactly. And yeah, I think it's just if it has any effects, they're really mild. Like I said, it just makes me sleepy most of the time when I take it in tea. But I think it's more individualized. So yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and then next, we were going to talk about a subject that I just wanted to address because personally, I am seeing talk of using these substances a lot in yes. um, yeah. the accounts I file, follow of witches. And we didn't want to discuss the substances without at least bringing this up. And that is baneful plants or baneful herbs. Um, and if you're unaware of with what those are, essentially, they are poisonous plants um, that uh, witches work with either on a spiritual basis or they literally ingest them. Um, we do want to say that as this is a podcast for beginner witches, we do not recommend ingesting them at all. That should be done with expertise and an exact knowledge of what you should be doing. Um, yes. And you should not be taking those at all. That being said, um, I did find some non-ingesting ways that you can work with them. Um, and also, I mean, I've accidentally worked with one of these plants or I guess multiple of these plants because there's one where it's like parts of it aren't poisonous, but other parts are. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, let's just uh, go into that. Yeah, again, Baneful plants are very popular right now, but a lot of those people, um, you know, they're, they're doing a lot of research on this ahead of time, or they've been in the business for a long time. So unless you were already an herbalist who like was like, mm, I really like these herbs, maybe I'm witchy, you know, and that's why you're coming here. Um, I wouldn't necessarily start with baneful plants right now. I'd start with the safe ones, start with things like um, mugwort and uh, lemon balm and marshmallow root and things like that and move on to the baneful plants once you've mastered the the not so poisonous ones yes um and to just give you an idea of what we're talking about we're talking about hemlock which it grows wild in a bunch of places here in Colorado there were settlers who kid whose kids kept on dying because they were cutting um the stems of hemlock here in Colorado are hollow. So they were cutting whistles out of hemlock plants and then inexplicably dying. So that's a thing. Um, yeah. And then there's also fox, yeah, there's foxglove, mandrake, yew, um, wormwood, mistletoe, datura, elder. There's a lot of Probably the, the most popular uh, in pop culture would be belladonna or deadly nightshade. Mm -hmm. 
Um, mm -hmm. You know, that's how they they kill a man on Practical Magic. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and, and, and in that, she says, you know, he said, this is a poison. She goes, some, put, some people put it in their tea. So it is possible to work with these kinds of things. But again, unless you're trained, unless you've really studied it, stick to the, the safer herbs to start with. Yes. And that's also why these types of plants are why you want to have some sort of herbal guidebook before you ingest anything. And you should also look up that plant before you ingest it. Um, and that's because like, there's some things like elder. So for elder is a plant, it has berries, it has flowers. Those, the berries, um, if you boil them or cook them or put them in tea or turn them into a syrup, something like that. And in the syrup, even you want to strain the berries out. It's fine to work with the berries that way, but the seeds within the berries are poisonous. And that's a little scary, especially considering how popular elderberries have become recently. Um, yeah. yeah, elder is very poisonous. You can also do the flowers, elderflower. There's even elderflower liqueur, St. Germain. Um, but elder, like it, the tree itself is so poisonous that you don't want to burn the wood because it will release noxious fumes. So you want to look up these plants before and learn about them before you work with them. Yes, uh, exactly. That's the perfect way yeah. to, uh, I think elder's a, a great one to uh, explain that. Yeah. Um, that being said, if you see like the elderberry lozenges or drinks or whatever in the grocery store, those are fine. Those aren't poisonous, <laughs> but you don't want to guilt. You don't want to like get elderberries and start munching on them like they're cran like cranberries or something like yeah, that. Saying, oh, um, I've heard elderberries are really good for your immune system. So let me just eat straight elderberries. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I accidentally obtained a baneful plant was working with it because I was working with this um, kind of protection pouch spell and it uh, said that you could use mistletoe. So I got mistletoe and, um, you know, I put it in this pouch, which is just, you know, it's a spell where you put in all these components that help protect you. And then you put in a certain space and it offers protection in that realm. For example, in this case, I put it under my driver's seat in my car. Um, but then I looked at it because I like, you know, I bought in this bag of mistletoe. So I was like, okay, what else can I do with this? And then I realized, oh, I can do a whole fat lot of nothing because it is poisonous. Um, and ingesting it could potentially kill me. Yes. So, yeah. but on that note, you can still work with these plants in ways that aren't ingesting them. Um, going back to my example, you can use them as spell components that you won't consume, like putting it in a charm bag. You can use it to dress a candle. You can burn it as an offering. You might want to double check on the burning thing because going back to the elder example, they could release noxious fumes. Um, so be careful there. Um, you can also create magical inks. I saw that you can turn them into an ink and then you can write with that ink. Um, you can plant them in a garden. There are witches who just have poisonous plant gardens and you do want to watch them carefully. So like your cat doesn't eat, eat it and die or your kid doesn't eat it and die, but you can create a garden that just has poison, poisonous plants. Um, there is also this herbal practice of working with plant spirit familiars, much the same way that you would work with a god or goddess or your ancestors, where you tap into the spirit of the plant and you work with it that way. Oh, that's really cool. I've never actually heard that one before. Yeah. 
Um, I've done it a couple times. It's actually really interesting because you basically meditate on it and you visualize talking to the spirit of the plant. And it's, it's actually, it's pretty cool when you do it. Um, I'm not an expert on it and I've only done it once. Um, but I would do more research into it if you, and you can work with plant spirit familiars, even if they aren't painful plants, you could do it with lavender. You could do it with basil. You could do it with, you know, your parsnips. It's, (laughs) really just yeah you could it's really just however you want to work with plant spirits yeah that's really cool all right so now that we've talked about the poisonous plants um let's talk about the ones that we do recommend using um and that we maybe use in our own practices Uh, we wanted to talk about some plants for positive mental health Mm -hmm. yeah And we talked about this a little bit in our um, coronavirus self-care episode, but we did just want to touch in on them because herbal work can help you a lot, um, especially if you want some alternatives to, um, I don't know, I don't want to say alternatives because if you need mental health medication, you need mental health medication. It's a medical issue. Um, That being said, I know sometimes, you know, maybe your psychiatrist is awful and will prescribe them to you, or maybe something's, you know, you don't have the ability to afford a a psychiatrist. So these, or maybe you are just, are having a little bit of downturn and you don't necessarily need a psychologist yet. These are some good options for you. Maybe not long-term options. um, Or maybe it's something that you've talked to, you know, a a psychiatrist or something about using, um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, if you need a little pick-me-up, things like that, or just, uh, you know, to mellow your mood, things like that, these are ones that we would recommend. And again, we did recommend a lot of them in the self-care episode. Um, So we talked about um, the ashwagandha, and Katie, you said that is one that you use, correct? Yeah, I use ashwagandha. I've been using it for years. And what it is, is it's like a stress absorber or a stress reducer. It's called an adaptogen, so it just generally helps you manage anxiety and stress. Um, it's an Ayurvedic herb. I also learned recently that you can grow it yourself. So maybe the next oh. time I have a garden, I'm going to try to do that. Um, yeah, that would be really but, cool. Yeah, but it's, um, I recommend it. It's just kind of really, like, I don't really feel the effects, but it just kind of helps absorb stuff and kind of take things in stride. That is a very difficult thing to do sometimes if you have mental health issues. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we talked a lot about, uh, kava in the, in the self-care mm-hmm. episode as well. Um, mm-hmm. kava is something yeah. that we both, we talked about it more in a, um, you know, like we talked about alcohol and things like that, but it is actually really great for stress relief. Um, it mm-hmm. comes, you can get it in capsules, you can make it into a tea. Um, mm-hmm. but it is great for stress relief. It can be a little damaging on your liver though. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, if you take other medication or things like that, like any, type of herb that we're going to recommend definitely look into it make sure it doesn't interact with any other anything else that you use um mm-hmm. kava again we talked about happy camper pills mm-hmm. it is a great herb for for stress relief exactly and then we also talked about lemon balm which is a really commonly used um anti-anxiety herb it's also super easy to grow it's relative to mint if that gives you any idea about how prolific it is um but yeah, it's just super easy. It actually tastes really good. It's just this really lemony herb. So you can even, you know, put it in smoothies and stuff like that. Um, yeah, that's nice. And then 
a couple that we didn't talk about um, previously. Uh, first of all, St. John's wort. That's a very heavily recommended herb for depression. Um, I do want to put a big caveat on that, though, because it can interfere with hormonal birth control. So if you're yes. on the pill or the patch or a hormonal IUD, anything like that, don't take St. John's wort. Otherwise, you are at risk of getting pregnant. Um, and then, um, but yeah, that's a good one. I recently got off hormonal birth control and I'm using another form of birth control. So I'm a little tempted to start using it, but my regimen is pretty good right now. So, you know, why rock the boat when it doesn't need to be changed? Um, yeah, my mom, uh, my, I think my mom used to use St. John's wort a lot um, when I was younger. I'm not sure what she used it for, but again, uh, I don't know how I turned out to be a witch mom. Maybe I just watched all the shit that you did my whole life. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then another good plant is passion flower. That's good for depression and anxiety. Yeah, so, and then valerian's also really good. I actually use valerian, although um, kind of sparingly. I mix it into my usual um, anti-anxiety tea that you can find in Gabriella Hurstick's book. Um, but I say I use it very sparingly because it is stanky. It smells like <laughs> dirty feet. Um, when you, it doesn't taste like that, but when you just have the herb by itself, it smells like dirty feet. I keep it like very tightly closed in an airtight jar whenever I'm not using it because it just is stanky. It makes everything around it smell that way. Um, yeah, but it works really well. Like if I'm ever super duper stressed out, I'll just drink that TV and it calms me down. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, like I said, it's stanky, so you might not want to just have it sitting on your counter. Um, so valerian, some people think that when old spells called for graveyard dirt, they were actually talking about valerian because valerian root kind of looks like dirt and it's stanky. So yeah, that's uh, some fun to be there. You mean to tell me I've been stealing dirt from cemeteries all this time and I just needed some valerian? I mean, it's possible some people are like, no, that's silly. Just go, you know, steal graveyard dirt. You're being ridiculous. Um, but, I don't steal yeah. it, actually. I take it very politely. That's important. You should always ask before taking graveyard dirt. Because if you think about it, it's just decomposed. It's the dirt made from decomposing bodies. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so that's all I had, Missa. Did you have anything you wanted to add in? No, I mean you're you're a plant lady, so I'm so grateful for all the knowledge that you bring. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you just have a lot more experience with all these herbs. Um, I do want to start adding mugwort to my practice. Um, yeah. Just again, because I, but you know, when I read tarot and things like that, it would be nice to have something you know some something like that to thin the veil and again marijuana is legal in my state my employer frowns upon it so uh, it would be nice to have something like mugwort to be able to use in that situation yeah exactly and um you can just buy a mugwort from an apothecary that can be a good way you can also grow it if you feel like growing it um it's a pretty easy plant to find so yeah yeah um so yeah, I think that's everything that we had. We got through our list of all of our, um, as Paige Vanderbeck would say, sketchy herbs. Um, mm -hmm. 
which is suitable because I think we talked about magic rocks uh, in the last episode. Oh yeah, that's right. If you are unfamiliar with her podcast, she does this segment called uh, Sketchy Herbs and Magic Rocks. And uh, yeah, we've done both of those things now. So yay, yeah. tribute, to, <laughs> tribute to Paige. Tribute to Paige on 420. I think she'd appreciate that one. Yes. Yes, she would. Um, Is sometimes your podcast just fangirling over other podcasts? Yes. Welcome to 2020. <laughs> yes, exactly. Everybody has, has a podcast now. I saw Amazon sold out of podcasting microphones. So, Well, yeah. What else are people going to do in the, uh, in the quarantine? Yeah, I know, right? Um, but now you know a little bit about some herbs to use, some substances during quarantine. Uh, use yeah, them safely, yeah. but, you know, maybe it'll help get you through to the other side. Yep. Yep, hopefully it will. And uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of uh, your local witch stores might be closed, but I know a lot of them are accepting orders online. I know mine is. I actually had to reorder a big restock of herbs needed for my cold buster tea, which arrived just in time while I was sick. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're, uh, you know, go support your local small businesses. Don't just order it off of Amazon. Also, yes. don't order off of Amazon right now because you would be a scab because their workers are striking and they are not treating their workers well. Do not order off of Amazon right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, I forgot I was going to say. Oh, um, and uh, as always, we want to remind you all that we are baby witches. Um, we're also baby herbalists, Katie much more so than, than I. Um, mm-hmm. So if there's anything that we got wrong or that you wanted to add in, definitely let us know. Um, we're available. You can find us on social media or email us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can email us at babywitchpod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at babywitchpod. Yeah. Um, all right. Is there anything else that you wanted to add before we uh, head out to do whatever it is that we do on 420? Just kidding. Oh, I have to work. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, just take care of yourselves. We hope you and yours are safe and healthy and well. Um, And we hope that, you know, everything kind of gets less stressful and heinous soon. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully the next time we record, we'll have some some good news. Yes, exactly. All right, Well. well, we will talk to you all in two weeks on the next Magical Monday. Bye.